Welcome to this Mutton Spice podcast where we're living vicariously through the female main characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances. We're your hosts, Sam and Sarah. In today's episode, we will be discussing some of our favorite Dramione fan fictions. I have fully pulled Sarah to the dark side and she is now ready to discuss all of the ones that she's read so far and I know she already has several that she's looking forward to reading in the future. In it ter- is a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of trigger warnings, we're actually going to give individual trigger warnings before each fan fiction uh, instead of an overall one for the episode. Be warned, however, that this episode definitely will contain spoilers and explicit content that is inappropriate for those under 18. This show is not for children. I did also want to give a disclaimer that J.K. Rowling is a shitty transphobe who we do not like. We support fan fiction because none of these stories monetarily benefit J.K. Rowling, and we support small creators. We love fan fiction authors. We also can love the Harry Potter universe without supporting J.K. Rowling. As long as you're not buying official merch, as long as you're getting things secondhand, you're not giving any money to that terrible woman. So you can still like the things you like without giving money to transphobes. All right, so the question I get asked when I start sharing with people that I read fan fiction, which I never used to do. This used to be like a shameful thing that was like, oh, you read fan fiction and people will give you like a side eye. Now it is becoming like much more acceptable to say like, yeah, I really enjoy fan fiction. I think for most people, they really get into reading fan fiction because it just comes down to not wanting the story to end where you get done with a book or a series and you're just like, I want more from these characters. I want to see what other people have envisioned for them. So when I started reading fan fiction, I didn't start with Harry Potter, which is surprising because I have been a huge Harry Potter fan literally since the series started coming out. I was reading Harry Potter as the books were releasing. I went to all the midnight releases at Barnes & Noble. I stayed up all night reading books six and seven when they came out. I was that child. Uh, So the fact that I actually didn't start with Harry Potter fan fiction is actually surprising to me. Um, What really got me into reading fan fiction was Avatar The Last Airbender fan fiction, uh, specifically Katara and Zuko, which is very often grouped together as like a similar pairing as Draco and Hermione. So obviously I have a type, the enemies to lovers, you hate me, but it's actually going to turn into us being obsessed with each other. There's a lot of overlap in those fandoms. So not really shocking to me that I love both of them. Um, I've also read quite a bit of other Hermione pairings. I'm not exclusive to just Draco and Hermione. I know one of the biggest Hermione fan fictions is Debt of Time by Shailani, and that is actually a serious Hermione fan fiction. Basically, if it's a huge fan fiction involving Hermione, I've probably read it regardless of the pairing, just because if it's a good story, I'm going to read it. Sarah, how did you get into fan fiction? Uh, so do you want me to tell you how you made me get into fan fiction? And that's how <laughs> why we're here, because uh, that's exactly what happened here at 30 years old is now where I'm finally getting into fan fiction. Uh, and as of right now, I am a Dramini purist. I have not read anything outside of them. And just like you said, you just don't want the story to end. And that's kind of where I've been this whole time is I just 
don't want it to end. I can't make it stop. <laughs> Sarah's really in a place where she has lost control. She <laughs> has no concept of how to stop reading fan fiction anymore. She is just completely down the rabbit hole. She's lost. And my TBR of other books is so long. And I'm like, I know I should do this. I really want to read this book. And then I'm just like, Daddy Draco is calling my name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where do we get our fan fiction? Listen, I am an AO3 purist. AO3 stands for Archive of Our Own. It is the superior fan fiction website. And I will believe that until the day I die. However, I will also accept fanfiction.net as an acceptable alternative because there are some authors who only explicit, explicitly, exclusively post on fanfiction.net. What we do not accept around here is Wattpad. And why do we not accept Wattpad? Because when we look at AO3 versus Wattpad, AO3 supports its creators they actually have a legal fund set up so that they can defend the fact that all fan fiction falls under fair use. Wattpad is at its core a capitalist website. They take ownership of other creators' works. They sell them. They're trying to make TV shows and movies out of things. It, it, they make you pay for certain stories. And while, yes, some of that does go to the creator, a lot of it is just taken by Wattpad as hosting fees. So we support the anti-capitalist archive of our own around here, the superior website. Also, archive of our own has better navigation, has better search features. When you look at archive of our own, it can be very daunting. The best thing that you can do is use the search bar or go to the individual works tab. So when you look at archive of our own, there is a top bar running along it. When you go to the fandoms, you can click on the category that your fandom falls into. Obviously, in this case, we're looking at books and literature. Then you would click on Harry Potter. And then you can use the sort and filter bar along the right to include or exclude certain pairings. Uh, you can make sure that you sort by completed works only so you don't accidentally get invested in a fan fiction that's never going to be completed like I've done several times you can sort by kudos which is the only correct way to sort on AO3 kudos are how you leave likes on AO3 and when you sort by kudos you're seeing the most liked fan fiction that meets your search criteria and it is the way to find the best written fan fictions when you go to the Hermione and Draco tab and you sort by kudos, you will find that Manacled is the top-rated Hermione fanfiction on AO3, which absolutely warranted. That is correct. We are going to be talking about Manacled last today to give you a quick rundown of the fanfictions that we are covering in this episode so that you know what you need to read to be prepared. We are going to be discussing The Library of Alexandria by Senlin Yu, Apple Pies and Other Amends by Taita Peach, a Second Look by River Rider, The Right Thing to Do by Loves Bitka 8, The Unofficial Diary of an Omega by Mrs. Wren, Bite First, Ask Questions Later, Dares Evils in the Details, I'm assuming that's what that is, and Kaylee uh, The Araset Effect by Ada P. Ricks, All You Want by Senlin Yu, Bring Him to His Knees by Music, and Manacled by Senlin Yu. 
So if any of these fan fictions starts to sound interesting to you and you don't want to be spoiled as we're discussing them, pause the episode, go get to reading, and then you can come back and join us as we talk. All right, let's talk about our favorite Draco and Hermione tropes and characteristics. Sarah, what are some of your favorite Draco tropes? Uh, Massive dick Draco is top tier. I mean, and we're talking big. Uh, (laughs) I love reformed, but still slightly evil Draco. Like, he realizes that using the term mudblood is bad, but he's still kind of like, I like having money, and I'm still better than everybody else. (laughs) Um, Full-blown evil Draco, I even like, uh, and we'll get into which one that is later on. Um, Drake being a simp, which Draco is forever a simp in pretty much every single one of these fan fictions. Yeah, those are my favorites. Draco... And, oh, Alpha Draco. Mm. Alpha Draco. Absolutely. I also love this, the trope of Draco falling in love with Hermione at the Yule Ball. That's, like, something that sneaks into a lot of Hermione fan fictions. And I just love the idea of him, like, hating himself for being obsessed with her starting in fourth year. When I look at my favorite Dracos, the ones that stand out to me the most are just, like, the giant Dracos. The ones that Mm. they're just constantly talking about how tall he is. Same, same. And it really bothers me when I look up fan fiction art, which I've been obsessed with. I'm just sending Sam pictures all day. Like, look at this Germione fanfic (laughs) art. It really bothers me when, like, the fanfic says he's huge, but then, like, her head is, like, to his chin. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, no. She was little. (laughs) No. This is not how I pictured it. Uh, Let's talk about Hermione. I love a really capable Hermione that, like, knows what she wants. She's the one who has a plan. She knows exactly how to achieve the thing she wants, but then has no idea what to do in the romance department. Like, the Hermione that has all the answers for everything else in her life, but then when she starts to fall in love with someone, she's just like, I don't know what the fuck. Like, a Hermione with no emotional intelligence. Yeah. Like, how are you so smart but so stupid? Um, <laughs> I love a ruthless Hermione. I I love it. I love when she's cutthroat. Um, I love it when she has a sensible job. It really bothers me when they give Hermione a job that seems beneath her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love, like, an overly horny Hermione. <laughs> One of my favorite things that sneaks into a lot of Hermione fan fictions is when Hermione's Amartensia smells like Draco. So there's this scene in book six of Harry Potter where it's their first day of potions class and Slughorn has all of these potions uh, set up throughout the room. And the Amortentia is right next to Hermione. And I love when it's like a sixth year fan fiction and Hermione realizes that the Amortentia smells like things that remind her of Draco. And like that's her wake up call that, oh gosh, maybe I have a thing for this guy. Um, I also, when we're talking about favorite tropes in general, I love a sixth year story. I love an eighth year story. Give me all the stories that are based in Hogwarts. I love the castle. I love all the different things you can do with those sorts of stories. I love Blaze and Theo being used for comedic relief. Give me all the Slytherin interactions. I want to see Hermione being like the center of attention in Slytherin house. 
I love seeing the teasing when they're making fun of Draco and like at his expense in front of Hermione. I also just love the idiots in love trope like and their friends plotting to get them together. They're too stupid to do it themselves. Give me a Vila Draco, a faded mates between Draco and Hermione all day, every day. Love those stories. And I just in my soul, I feel like the heart of any Draco and Hermione fan fiction should be Draco antagonizing Hermione because that has been their relationship throughout all of the Harry Potter books. So when that picking on Hermione continues even as they're falling in love it feels so natural especially when Draco is antagonizing her on purpose because when she gets all riled up it turns him on and I think that's hilarious (laughs) I agree I quite like that myself too uh some of my favorites are Omegaverse the mutual pining I like it when they fall in love after the war too like when they've never had feelings before but now it's a second chance like they've never seen each other in that light and now they are um draco being evil to literally everyone but hermione uh we stand a strong uh narcissa moment um i love it when ron weasley does not exist and (laughs) i love pansy uh love pansy parkinson i also love a pureblood hermione fan fiction when ooh, surprise hermione was pureblood the whole time or also a slytherin hermione when it's an alternative universe and hermione was sorted into slytherin love those stories uh so we are gonna start with the library of alexandria by senlin Yu. Quick overview, this is a shorter story where Hermione has been working at the Library of Alexandria, which I mean, dream job. Who, what book lover among us wouldn't love to work in a huge secret library where barely anyone has access to it? It has all of these fantastical books in it and no one's allowed to come in and talk to you. That sounds like paradise to me. She and Draco end up trapped within a ward in the library by Draco's ancestors because Draco is there to strengthen the magic in his family's like section of the library and it turns out that Draco has some pretty powerful magical ancestors including the likes of you know Cersei and Morgana some of the most famous witches in history and they're pretty upset with Draco because he doesn't really have any marriage prospects and he hasn't had any kids yet and he is their last descendant And they're looking at him like, uh, you need to get on this, dude. So after they get trapped, uh, Cersei decides that Hermione is the best fit for Draco. So she just quick puts a little bit of a marriage spell on them. And it's like, you guys are going to be married because I've decided this is the best way to continue our family line. And it just kind of kicks off from there with Draco and Hermione trying to figure out how to get out of this ward and how to continue living their lives while now being magically married by Cersei. And the marriage is only good for two years. And after that, they will no longer be married and they cannot leave until they bang. And time works differently in the ward versus the real life. What was it? Like a month was only like an hour. Yeah, it moved really, really slowly. And they didn't sleep. They didn't need to sleep. They didn't need to eat. They didn't need to do anything. 
and he was under a truth spell where he could not lie to Hermione, and Hermione thought that she was under a lust spell when she, in fact, was not. And Draco has been pining after Hermione all of this time, and he literally says, like, I pick on you because it's the only time you'll pay attention to me. (laughs) That's such a Draco line. I Uh. wanted more time of them in the, like, library talking to each other. I felt like that was cut a little short. Yeah, I, I loved the banter in this book, how they went back and forth with each other. I definitely wanted more of that. I wanted more of them, like, falling in love with each other. Because, like, we know that Draco is obsessed with Hermione, but I wanted to see more of the falling in love on Hermione's end. And and they do. And they, and they have sex. And it's, like, amazing. But then Draco has to leave right after the fact. And like we said, there's very strict rules for the Library of Alexandria. And one of those rules is you basically cannot send an owl. You cannot send anything to anyone who works there. And so Draco jumps through all of these hoops to get an internship there so he can be with her. And my favorite thing is that he hates muggle clothes, but, like, specifically wears muggle clothes to turn her on with, like, the (laughs) bow tie, and he's always messing up the bow tie to make her fix it. Oh, that was cute. It was. It's a very cute story. Uh, It's pretty short. It's just a cute short read if you don't have a lot of time but want to get some Germione in. Plus, you get a nice cameo from some famous witches. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we have Apple Pies and Other Amends by To Eat a Peach. Uh, trigger warning for some discussion of addiction and alcoholism. This story is just so cute. So the basis of the story is that Hermione is dealing with all of the trauma that she has from the war by going on what she and Harry have termed the PTSD pastry tour. <laughs> And she has decided that one of the ways that she is going to heal after the war is to make desserts for everyone. And that includes people who have hurt her. That includes people who were on the other side of the war. And she's just made her way through everyone and is making her way through all of the desserts that you could possibly think of. And the last person on her list is Draco and the Malfoys. And that really just kicks off this relationship where Draco is not dealing well with the end of the war. Uh, He is an alcoholic who is very depressed, who is having a very difficult time coping with the choices he made. And he sees Hermione's olive branch and kind of takes it as a lifeline. And she agrees to teach him how to bake because his first attempt was not good. And this just results in her visiting Malfoy Manor like once a week and them developing these feelings for each other and the tension and the like, uh, the buildup is so good. It's so wonderful. One of my favorite scenes in this fanfic is when they're baking and I, I can't remember what he says to Hermione, but it catches her off guard and she cuts her finger really badly. And as just like, an instinct he brings her finger up to his mouth to like you know I you know that's something that people do when they cut their finger to like suck the blood and she was like just so taken aback and he's like I don't 
believe in that your blood is any different than mine. And a uh, special shout out to the house elves in this one. <laughs> they were probably my favorite house elves, like dressed in like really expensive clothing and just like <laughs> meddling in Draco's business and just doing whatever they wanted to do. And it made Hermione's heart happy. Oh, they're so cute. I also really liked Lucius and Narcissa in this one. The scene, so Hermione was like really avoiding them when she first dropped off the baked goods. She dropped them off to Draco and then was like, okay, bye, and like ran away. She really didn't want to talk to them. And then one of the days when her and Draco are baking in the kitchen, uh, Narcissa and Lucius kind of surprise them and both come in. And they just have this very great interaction where like it's really awkward at first and they have no idea what to say to each other. And then Narcissa and Hermione just kind of have this moment where they both admit to, like, being afraid, uh, both during the war and then after, about, like, how hard it's been moving on. And then Lucius just kind of has this moment where everyone's teasing him about the fact that he just inhales all the desserts that they make. And it's just, it's very sweet. There's so many very sweet moments in this, and I loved it so much. It is nice when Draco doesn't hate Lucius, when it's him trying to love and protect his son. But most of the time, it is not that way. Most of the time, <laughs> Lucius really, really sucks. And he did not suck in this one. <laughs> and also, this one is uh, anti-Ron Weasley for the most part. Like, he just did not want to work through the war with Hermione he just wanted to be like it's over I don't want to deal with it anymore and both Draco and Hermione needed somebody to talk to um and it just kind of went on from there and of course he had a moment of I'm not good enough for you and Hermione had to put him in his place but that's Mm -hmm. that's what she does I did like uh I see you mentioned it in the outline when she said that when she dropped off the um plate oh you said it was for crab but i think it, it was, was goyle. goyle i, w- I yeah. was gonna type it but my keyboard is super loud and i <laughs> knew you would get mad <laughs> so i was like i'm just gonna leave it uh but he, she, she she dropped off a black forest cake cake for goyle for his black soul and draco got the joke immediately and i feel like that was a moment when hermione was like i think i might kind of like It was so good. Plus, like, the thank you note that Millicent writes her after and then Goyle just writing one line on the bottom that was like, best cake I ever had. (laughs) It's just like that. That tracks. That's exactly what I would expect. This is a really good uh, Theo one, too. Theo is is a good extra character in this one. I love whenever Theo is a side character that's like pushing Hermione and Draco together where he's just like from the sidelines telling Draco how dumb he is. I love a good Theo not. Theo is really one of those characters that was built out through fan fiction. I think he's like mentioned like twice in passing in the books themselves. But there are several characters in the Harry Potter universe that have really just taken on a life of their own in fan fiction. There's a lot of non-canon fan fiction lore that you'll see carried over from fan fiction to fan fiction. And it kind of gets to the point where you start confusing 
what actually happened in Harry Potter and what you just know from fan fiction because it's been included in so many different fan fictions. Yeah, and there are so many lines that like go from fan fiction to fan fiction and I'm just like how does everyone know all of these lines? Like the layback and think of England I think is like in almost every single one of these fanfics and I'm just like where <laughs> where is this all coming from? I mean the lie back and think of England was like uh, wartime propaganda when they were trying to repopulate England after I think like World War One, where they were. It was like literal propaganda from the English government where they were like, all right, women, we know you hate having sex, but lie back and think of your country. We got to repopulate this bitch like that was literally a thing. <laughs> <sighs> All right, uh, next one. This is one of my all-time favorite fan fictions. Um, literally a fan fiction I reread constantly because it's just such good. It's good for my soul. Like, it makes me so happy. And that is A Second Look by River Rider. This is single dad Draco, Hermione coming into the rescue to help Draco with everything he's struggling with. And them just Hermione and Draco reconnecting as adults. And it is just the sweetest story of them falling in love and Hermione falling even more in love with Draco's son, Scorpius. And I have reread this fan fiction a countless amount of times. I love it so much. Yeah, and single parent, well, it's mostly single mom that is at my jam because I was a single mom. So, like, it's hard for me to romanticize it. But single dad draco does it for me like they're he's just getting potions and hermione helps his teething son and it just kind of spirals from there and they start to develop feelings and i feel like in this one they were both pretty alone too uh like astoria wanted nothing to do with draco and scorpius and Hermione really just had Harry Potter and his and her godsons, um, but she's been alone for so long. And Ron is an asshole in this one, which we love. He cheated on Hermione, and Draco's just like, he's ugly, Hermione. How did this happen? <laughs> we listen. Ron Weasley bashing is a very common tag in many Hermione. It's my fave bash. Bash away. So it's not very surprising when you see that Ron is being a complete asshole. I adore Hermione and Harry's relationship throughout this. I feel like that is exactly how I would picture them to interact with one, with one another once they grew up. Of them just being like brother and sister and constantly supporting one another. When I look at like Harry with his two uh, little boys... And Hermione, like, jumping in through the flu, like, racing to the library, trying to find a book that'll tell her what these flowers mean that Draco just sent her. Like, it's so cozy, and it's such a sweet scene of Harry being like, okay, I guess Hermione's here now. What are you doing? And them just having that level of comfortability with each other that she can pop over whenever she needs to, and he knows that she's always there to support him. I love a strong friendship in writing in general, 
but especially in Germione fan fiction, I want Hermione to have someone else that she can lean on, whether it's Harry or Ginny or Pansy. Like, I want to see a strong relationship in Hermione's life. Mm-hmm. And and their relationship was so sweet. I did feel bad for Harry. Harry and Ginny did not work out in this fan fiction. Uh, the Weasleys are just a hot mess, uh, except for mm. George. <laughs> he's he's the only one who's cool. Um but I I absolutely adored it. I don't remember much of the smut except for like when they're on the stairs. Um, but it just really it you just really have it gives you the coziest feelings. Um, it's they genuinely just both have feelings for each other, even in regards to everything that happened in their past. They don't care. There's also so many great scenes where. Pansy and Hermione are developing a strong friendship between them as well because Pansy is Draco's best friend and there's a scene where Draco and Hermione are dates to this ball and Lavender who is who um, Ron cheated on Hermione with and Astoria Draco's ex-wife are both there and Hermione is like ready to fight both of them because they're both being ridiculous and Pansy is like ready to back her up in the bathroom like ready to chase after her to make sure everything's okay I love all of the interactions throughout this one they're so good there's like a line in that scene that I'll never forget. So Hermione just tells Lavender off and tells her what a shitty person she is. And Pansy comes out from the corner. She's like, fuck, Granger, that was inspired. <laughs> and I was like, I love Pansy. Pansy is here to support with any of the taking downs that were necessary. I also love that when Pansy first visits and brings all of this stuff for Scorpius, like she has like a mountain of toys and is like I don't know what kids like so I just like bought everything <laughs> she is just like the perfect child free aunt who's just there to buy things for whoever needs them exactly and Scorpius just sounds like the cutest little child like the perfectest baby uh, so they're just like living their best life and oh another trigger warning would be infertility uh because that is something that Hermione uh, struggles with, and it is something that Ron uses as a weapon against her. Oh, yeah. Good call on that. I did, like you already mentioned, George is so wonderful in this. Like, him and Hermione have such a great friendship where she, he has been a support system for her. It is, I really just love all of the interactions that Hermione has with the people who are there to support her. Like, she has such a great support system throughout this story. It's a cute one. Moving on to my god tier, Germione fan fiction. My absolute love of my life. I could reread these stories over and over. That is uh, The Right Thing to Do by Loves Bicca 8, which is part of the Rights and Wrongs series, uh, which includes The Right Thing to Do, which is written from Hermione's point of view, All the Wrong Things, which is written from Draco's point of view, and then The Auction, which is an alternative universe story which takes place in a setting where Voldemort wins. And all of these are my absolute favorite. When I read The Right Thing to Do for the millionth time, I always do a dual read. So I have The Right Thing to Do open and All the Wrong Things so that I can switch back and forth for each chapter. So I'm reading Hermione's point of view and then I'm reading Draco's point of view for the next chapter. And it is just the best way to take in everything that happens there. Um, I do want to give a trigger warning for this one. There is a scene where Hermione is drugged with... 
uh, with really what equates to a date rape drug. Uh, she is not sexually assaulted, but that could definitely be triggering for some people. All right. So quick summary of this one. Hermione and Draco have been in love with one another for forever. And it is a true slow burn of a story. Uh, but in The Right Thing to Do and All the Wrong Things, Hermione testifies for Draco, which allows Draco to get out of Azkaban. And he starts to build a life for himself. But as he's building this life for himself, he is running into Hermione and has decided that he wants to pursue something with Hermione. But then... As he's trying to build up his business, he realizes that he needs his inheritance uh, early in order to get access to the funds necessary to build the consulting firm that he wants to create. And he needs his father's approval in order to get that money. And his father has basically said that he he said in not so many words, Draco interpreted it as the fact that he can't be with Hermione if he wants this money. So now he's trying to push Hermione away at the same point where he can't stay away from her because he's completely obsessed with her. So he is visiting Hermione in the bookstore where she works. They have amazing banter. At the same time, his mother knows how obsessed he is with Hermione. So you have Narcissa plotting on the side to get them together. Narcissa is trying to create a relationship with Hermione at the same time that Lucius is also interfering with Hermione. And <laughs> it is just all the Malfoys plotting towards the same goal, but going about it in all the wrong ways. And it is so much miscommunication, which I know gets on everyone's nerves, but I feel like it's miscommunication done well. I agree. Hermione oh, I love this story so much. Sarah, what were your thoughts on this one? So I think Narcissa was the only one going about it the right way with getting close to Hermione. <laughs> Everyone else, no. Uh, Lucius just screwed everything up. He made everything 10 times more difficult. He was like, okay, Hermione, you can be with my son. I'm willing to look over the fact that you are not a pure blood, but you need to do all of these etiquette classes and you need to act like a pure blood. And so Hermione is going behind Draco's back to do all of these classes because she wants to be with him. And can I just say, Hermione needs to learn how to relax. This girl <laughs> was working a nine to five during the week and then also working on the weekends. No, baby, that ain't the life to live. And he would just show up at the bookstore pretending like he's buying books and he was in the media with other women and Hermione is like losing her shit. Um, I loved Ginny and Hermione in this book. And I also think I got my house elves confused. I feel like this is the house elf that wears really expensive clothes and is really sassy. Mipsy. Mippy. Mippy. Mippy is a fantastic house elf. Poor Mippy keeps like interrupting them when they're like making out about to like fuck and Narcissa keeps sending Mippy to like interrupt them in the middle and Draco is just like god damn it Mippy and it's so good I felt so bad for Mippy and this uh, had really good magic in it too because I feel like sometimes the fanfics don't really mention magic as much uh but this had a, a decent amount of use of magic in it I I feel like this also does a really good job of showing how 
the war damaged people in different ways. Because when we look at how Draco is just failing at trying to please his father and how he thinks his father like wants him to do while also can't stay away from Hermione, it all boils down to the fact that he's been obsessed with Hermione for years, but he has been occluding and using occlumency to suppress that desire and suppress that desire. And so now he's in a place where he can safely be with Hermione, but he still feels as though he still has this innate need to suppress his own desires because that is all he has ever known. So like these formative years of him going through these traumatic experiences of having his mind invaded and knowing that he has to protect this girl that he's completely in love with but can't be around because of the fact that she's muggle-born is now impacting him as an adult because his formative years completely fucked him up which is believable it's believable that if you went through all of these traumatic years of trying to suppress everything you want that when you finally have an opportunity to have the thing you've wanted so desperately for so long it would make sense that it would feel like it was too good to be true and that you would keep sabotaging yourself because you're like something's going to go wrong Mm -hmm. and they're both idiots like complete idiots And they both think that they just want something casual when both of them are in love. And they're banging each other's brains out every lunch in the office. Like, Draco's putting silence charms on and locking the door. And they're banging every lunch. And Hermione's like, I want more. And then you can tell he wants more, too. And then you've got Blaze's mischievous ass, like... Flirting with Hermione in front of him every chance he can get to get under Draco's skin and make him do something. Listen, Blaze is my absolute favorite side character in this. There's a scene from in Draco's point of view, which you still need to read, Sarah. But there's this scene where right after Draco and Hermione finally get together and they're like celebrating about it in Draco's office because they're both giant nerds. Blaze is like so happy for him one minute and then like immediately turns around and like tackles him to the ground. And Draco is like, what the fuck is going on? And Blaze looks at him and is like, I swear to God, if you make Harry Potter your best man instead of me, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) And Draco's like, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I promise. I loved Draco in this one a lot. Like he was he was so funny. I love sarcasm. Sarcastic men is like my kryptonite. And I just remember there's this one line where Hermione, like he got a child's book, which Hermione did not know that it was for her, but she was like, oh, well, you know, if this is too hard for her to read, you can buy her a dictionary. And he's like, that would mean I would have to talk to her more. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) And they just like, their conversations together in this were so funny. He's still, he's still a dick, but he's hot. And And then he has moments of being really sweet and cute too. I can't wait until you read his point of view because his point of view just makes you see what a fucking simp he is the whole time, but him being like, I can't be nice to her. She won't believe it. I have to be sassy with her. (laughs) So, like, in his mind, he's like, I'm in love with you. I'm obsessed with you. I think you're amazing. And then, like, out of his mouth comes, like, God, you're so stupid, Granger. And it's like, (laughs) he's such an idiot. God, I just love him so much. It is so well written. Everything Loves Bick at Eight Rights is phenomenal. And... The banter in it is top tier. I just cannot tell you enough how obsessed I am with all of these stories. 
we're not going to talk about the auction, but I know when we when Sarah finally reads the auction, I know that she's going to be obsessed with it just like I was. I was reading the auction as it was being updated. So I remember waking up. It used to come out like early, early Monday mornings. So it was like <laughs> it would release at like 3 a.m. on Monday mornings and I would wake up to go to work. And I would just be like, you know what? I'm going to pause for a minute and I'm going to read this updated chapter of the auction and then I'll go get ready for work. It was a good way to wake up on Monday morning. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have The Unofficial Diary of an Omega by Mrs. Wren. This is a short, cute read. It's an Omega verse where Hermione is an Omega and Draco is an Alpha. And Hermione needs someone who's going to help her through her heats. And Luna, who is married to Neville has created a matchmaking surface for Omegas and Alphas and Hermione and Draco end up getting matched and it is such a cute story but it is filthy. The dirty talk that kicks off right from the first chapter in these letters like god damn Draco. Oh my gosh he's like I want to I want to smell what you smell like and she puts a little bit of her slick on that note and sends it home with the owl and he loses his mind. Like, he knew, like, right off the bat that it was her, pretty much. And Hermione just goes to the ministry, like, with a huge smile on her face the next day. Um, and she winds up going into heat early and they wind up going to Draco's house and he's just, like, praising her and telling her how good she is and taking care of her and, ugh. I love Alpha, Draco, Omega, Hermione. It's everything I want. Uh, this is, it's a good, like, I just need a quick fix of a cute story that's also really hot. And it it's great. It's a great short read. And this is top tier uh, Narcissa, too, because she basically plotted them being a match. Because it's they were kind of like faded mates slash omega verse it was kind of a mix of both um mm. and i just love it when narcissa is all just for draco being happy and he doesn't she doesn't care who he's with as long as he's happy that's my favorite another omega verse i would say arguably my least favorite fan fiction on this list uh is bite first ask questions later by again dares evils in the details i believe is how you say that one and kaylee um, this is an insane fan fiction. <laughs> the plot is wild. And like, for being what? an Omegaverse, I thought it would be dirtier. Uh, and we, you really don't get a lot of smut in this. It, no, there's not as much smut. It's just like fucking insane plot. Like Dumbledore is Voldemort's father and he's tricking everyone and he, like, tricks Ron into being evil. And all of these alphas are terrible because of a curse. And then Hermione breaks the curse. And she ends up being an Omega. And then Harry's also an Omega. And <laughs> I did love Harry being an Omega and Pansy being his alpha. That <laughs> was my favorite part of this entire fan fiction. Because, like, they just would not shut up about their sex life and everyone is like harry pansy <laughs> shut the fuck up like we cannot hear about this anymore 
So like the minute that she breaks the curse and is like going into heat as an Omega immediately, Draco like swoops her up and claims her immediately. And then they're like left to figure out all the details right after it. It's just like a whirlwind of a fan fiction. And this is good uh, Malfoys, too, because they are just so grateful that Hermione saved Draco from not going insane, that they don't care about her lineage. Like, they get her expensive tutors. They get her whatever she wants. Um, And I just love how Draco was like, listen, I did not know these rules about Omegas. Like, my mom rules my house. Like, that's how I expected you to do it, too. Like, I'm not telling you how to do anything. Draco mm-hmm. was very cute cute in this one. But, like I said, I can't even remember, like, any of the smut, really. Speaking of smut. Oh, and it was to... confusing to read. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of point of view changes that make it difficult to like, read. Like, multiple within a chapter, and it doesn't have, like, a POV heading. If you want to talk about good smut let's talk about the Ariston effect by <laughs> ada p ricks this sarah texted me was it last night yeah and i just like i read it last <laughs> night <laughs> she was like i just need something smutty and i was like girl i got you so in this fan fiction pansy and hermione are like best friends and they own a sex shot together and every friday Pansy, Pansy, Hermione, Blaze, Harry, Theo, and Draco all get together, and Pansy has talked them all into uh, all drinking this potion that, when you drink it, shows everyone who you allow to be a part of it your deepest, darkest fantasy. And so they all decide to do this as, like, some very interesting bonding experience, I guess. (laughs) And these fantasies really just kick everything off. And it becomes very obvious that Draco is obsessed with Hermione, running theme in a lot of these fan fictions, as I'm sure you've picked up on. But Draco has a bit of a problem. (laughs) And that problem is that his dick is way too fucking big. And he has never been able to come inside a woman before. And he definitely has a breeding kink. So because of that... (laughs) (laughs) his like fantasy is to be able to come inside Hermione and this this is just an absolutely insane fan fiction where Hermione is just trying to get herself prepared for gigantic Dick Draco and I can't imagine that amount of work that's straight up dedication here let me run through everyone's fantasies for you since I just read it and it's fresh in my mind uh, we Do it. S- we start with Theo, and Theo is just like Luna Lovegood is just femdoming the shit out of him, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone is just watching it, and it's glorious. And then Blaze is with Ginny, and he is like totally like Dom Daddy. I'm gonna spank you. You need to ask for permission. Like Blaze's fantasy did it for me Mm -hmm. and then we have harry and harry's fantasy is all about spanking and controlling pansy and so from there pansy and harry start a relationship and and then pansy's like okay me and hermione will do it because this was kind of fucked up like we'll show you our fantasies and 
Pansy's fantasy is of Lucius dressed up as like a Confederate soldier, and she's like a woman, a virgin woman in waiting, and like she, she's like Scarlett O'Hara, yeah, waiting for him. And like Harry was like, yeah, I already knew about this, but everyone else was scarred for life. Uh, and then Draco said he would only show Hermione his, and his was basically, you know, finally having sex and coming inside of her. And he was like, I don't deserve you, I don't deserve you. And then Hermione's like, all right, you watch my fantasy, and you tell me if I'm too, if it's too dark for you. And it was basically like C&C out in the Forbidden Forest, and Draco was like, I was not expecting that. (laughs) And that is kind of where... Things take a turn, and Draco does a lot to Hermione without any penetration, but our girl Hermione, she's all about research, and she got herself a dilator, but what I do want to know, supposedly, she could not take this man in her vagina because it would be painful, but yet she's deep-throating his double Coke-canned cock. (laughs) Get some Jessica Kane references in there. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like... (laughs) like that doesn't make any sense at all but that's that's and i'm like couldn't you use magic that would make sense like i'm just saying like what's the point in having magic if you've got an elephant dong and (laughs) you can't have sex with anybody like you should be able to like do something there was very little magic in this book. I don't know if you yeah. remember that, but because I, I, I just read it. Like, I mean, they really just talk about, like, fluing, um, the, the potion. But other than that, there's, like, really no other talk of magic. Yeah, I feel like some authors shy away from it sometimes because it's difficult to remember, like, all the different little spells that were created in the original universe. And you don't want to do anything, like, non-canon. So then people just kind of avoid using magic so they don't have to do all the research in order to, like successfully implement it that's what i i feel like that would be why you would avoid it for most people yeah like i mean i i would think you could use magic in some sort of (laughs) instance where like like i just really wish they would have given me some more descriptors so i would have known how big it really was (laughs) but we love it when Draco is massive and she is petite. It's, uh, it, I love it. All right. Are getting into my introduction to the Omegaverse. This was my first ever Omegaverse story that I read. All You Want by Senlin Yu. I am going to give a trigger warning for attempted assault and some Dubcon situations. This is another Omegaverse Germione, where Hermione is an Omega and Draco is an Alpha. In this story, this is an eighth year story as well, so they are on their way back to Hogwarts after the war, and Hermione suddenly starts uh, perfuming and showing that she is going to be an Omega, and she is unexpectedly going into heat. She never even knew what an Omega was. And her introduction to all of this is like a day before she's supposed to go into her first heat. So she ends up locking herself away in a corner of the castle and she doesn't want any alpha to help her get her through it. She just wants to do it alone. But then as Draco is wandering throughout the castle, he starts hearing her crying and he recognizes her crying because she was tortured on the floor of his uh, manor right in front of him 
during the war, and he recognized that those were Hermione's cries. So he rushes to go and save her from what he assumes is a potential attack. And what he finds instead is Hermione in the middle of her heat having like a complete meltdown in the middle of the shower. And he ends up taking care of her through her first heat. And from there, it really just kicks off in Hermione trying to figure out what to do with her future now that kind of everything has changed. And Draco just kind of being along for the ride, trying to help her in any way that he can. So we do want to say there is a lot of miscommunication in this one, but it is so good. I did not care about the miscommunication. Most of it was just that they're so into each other (laughs) and Mm -hmm. the other one doesn't realize it. That's pretty much the biggest part of the miscommunication. But this fanfic has the hottest praise kink. Dear Lord, he is just constantly telling her how perfect she is, how how good of an omega she is, how wonderful she is. Oh my gosh. She didn't hear most of it. She wasn't lucid <laughs> enough the first time. But nope. whew, he was he was so good with her. So good with her. And um that's the problem, being unbonded. So for a while, she was good to go. She had Draco scent all over her. That is another thing. Like, the scent marking in this one was intense. Like, I don't even know how many times the word glands was used. But <laughs> so once Draco's scent starts wearing off, all the other alphas start sniffing around. Um, I can't remember which one attacks her, Sam. Do you? Anthony Goldstein. Mm, of course. And... He uses his alpha voice on her to try to make her submit because Omegas are very, in this Omegaverse, they really, really want to please alphas and submit. And Draco hexes this kid and he turns this motherfucker into a butterfly. Well, he puts him in a (laughs) cocoon and he's in that cocoon for months, months. Oh, I love it so much. And then like Madame Pomfrey is like, what the fuck did you do to him? (laughs) And then after she finds out that like Goldstein attempted to assault Hermione, she's like, you know what? Maybe it's it's fine. We won't really worry about it. And Hermione finds out that Draco is being bullied because it's after the war. And there's just so much going on. McGonagall is like about to rip out her fucking hair at this school she's like everyone is fighting i have my first case of an omega and alpha here that are fucking all over the school and everyone is fighting everyone like i can only do so much and hermione like makes it her mission to protect him and we love it when tiny little hermione protects massive daddy draco i just love it him him calling her his terrifying bodyguard is so good. I love their interaction so much. And, like, there's this scene where they're exchanging Christmas gifts with each other. And Draco is banned from flying as part of his probation. And she manages to get him, like, a pass, basically, to be able to fly. And it's such a thoughtful Christmas gift. And then... He gets her a new wand because she's been using Bellatrix's wand. And just the fact that they get both of each other the absolute perfect Christmas gift and shows how well they know each other is so sweet. It's such a poignant scene. And then there's another scene where Theo finally tells Hermione that he's had like 
uh, feelings for her for years. And then Draco gets so mad at him because he's like, you know that I have a thing with her. Like, why are you doing this now? And Theo... (laughs) Theo and him get into a fight in the dorm and they're like throwing each other around the dorm and Blaze is just sitting on his bed watching them do this like can we not why are we doing this (laughs) oh god this fan fiction is so good like out of all of them on this list if you want something feel good and with excellent smut I gotta recommend this one um because it just like it checks all of the marks for me Plus, who doesn't want to get eaten out in a library? That was so good. Mm, agreed. Agreed. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Just the praise in this book. Like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And this is the first one I read. And then I was like, mm-hmm. great. Now I've got to read. What am I on? Number fucking 12 now? I don't even know. <laughs> and this all started because my son is at that age where he's reading Harry Potter and <laughs> I was watching the movies because we were watching every time. And I just texted Sam and I was like, all right, Sam, I'm I'm back in the spirit of Harry Potter. I'm watching right now. Which one should I read? And she's like, read this because, you know, obviously I'm an Omegaverse girl. And now I can't get myself out. <laughs> now she can't stop. I can't stop. Won't stop. And I'm like, I'm like sitting here like. Am I going to try and read a, a, a published book and not fan fiction? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> now that we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, God, I can't I can't leave Draco. I can't leave him behind. He, he misses me. <laughs> so next up, we have Bring Him to His Knees by Music. This is, God, I love this story so much. This is a murder mystery love story that includes scenes in a kink club that has Big Dick Draco, that has great Harry and Pansy and Pansy and Hermione friendship. It's like everything you could ever want. So basically, Draco is an Auror and so is Harry. Draco is on a case where these uh, muggle-born women are getting murdered. And he's noticing a clue that links them back to this kink club that he belongs to. So he decides that he has to go undercover in a fake relationship in order to investigate the kink club and see how it's related to the murders. And Hermione volunteers herself to be in a fake relationship with Draco because, wouldn't you know it, they're actually in love with each other. Idiots in love. Uh, so they start with this fake relationship so that they can investigate the kink club and it very quickly develops into something real and they both start exploring kinks with each other while also investigating the club and you get this amazing smut while also you get Draco solving a murder mystery. Like what more could you want from a story? And Harry and Pansy are just, like, the ultimate power couple. And I love how everything's kind of been worked out for the most part after the war. Like, Draco still gets, like, mean comments and stuff. But it's already established that he's been forgiven to to some extent. Um, it's not a lot of working through it. Hermione's been pining after him forever and Pansy is a fucking menace yet again and she's like forever like telling like Hermione what she needs to do she's like 
she's like, have you seen his dick yet? <laughs> like, have you done this yet? You need to do this. And, like, and on the other side, she's telling Draco, Hermione's in love with you. <laughs> like, she's in the middle, like, trying to tell them both that they're being complete dodos and neither one of them are listening. Um, whew, their scenes when they're together are just, like, so hot. And I know, I don't know if, me and Sam both love fake dating and fake marriages. Mm-hmm. I know it's not everyone's jam, but, like, we absolutely love it. Um, and when they're fake de- dating, neither one of them is pretending, but the other one doesn't know that. And they're just very stupid. And we love them. And I felt <laughs> very edged while I was reading this fan fiction. And I was like, oh, my God, just give it to her already, Draco. God, they just, like... <laughs> kept getting interrupted like things kept happening and i'm just Mm -hmm. like the girl needs it just give it to her (laughs) uh i love it so much i also love that pansy and draco were together previously which is canon they were together in the books uh but pansy just giving hermione sex advice for draco because she's like i know this from experience but like doing it in front of harry and harry being like i don't want to hear any of this (laughs) (laughs) or just ignoring him and doing whatever the fuck she wants is so good and like then the draco harry interactions after they've like fucked in the same house and (laughs) them like going down to breakfast and draco (laughs) just being so smug about it is so good yeah, the one line where he's like, uh, next time, can you keep her quiet? And he's like, oh, yeah, keep her mouthful. Got it. Harry's <laughs> like, oh, my God. Uh, their friendship was so cute. The Weasleys do not exist in this universe, I guess. They're just not mentioned. Nope. Um, but uh, it was just, it was so good. So, so good. The only thing I did not like about this is that I felt like Hermione's job was a little bit beneath her. Yeah, Hermione works in the archives, so she's, like... Organizing yeah, it did shit. Feel kind of, yeah, it did feel kind of beneath her. I did love the um, Auror team that Draco's training. He has, like, a bunch of Aurors in training, two of which he has, like, this great relationship with, and they're so cute. Also, the fact that inappropriate use of a Malfoy signet ring is in the tags <laughs> for this fan fiction is so good. I think everyone should be utilizing the Malfoy signet ring more inappropriately. That needs to be in more fan fictions. I agree. Which one is the one where... This is the one where Narcissus is going crazy. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that is one of the reasons why Draco is like, this can't be a forever thing because Narcissa associates Hermione with everything that happened in the drawing room and Voldemort uh, crucioing her a million times and causing her pain. But like Narcissa's trying so hard. Like she knows she's losing her mind Mm -hmm. and she like is like, I can't say her name, but... I know she makes you happy, and that's all I want. And I was really glad that after everything happened, that Draco didn't, like, dissolve into himself. Like, they worked together as a couple to fix it. Like, it wasn't like a, oh, let's break up and then resolve Uh it. Like, they worked through it like a normal couple. I loved that, too. I was very worried uh, that he was going to push her away in the aftermath and be like, I can't, like, you, it's too painful right now. But the fact that, like, Hermione was there for him the entire time, I loved it so much. It was, it was so good. 
they were so cute together and uh, we just we just love it and like he fully got like his rep back too he got taken off the dark wizard list oh that was terrible too like he basically got completely mind fucked basically like this mm-hmm. woman just went and like completely like scrambled his brains and the way that Hermione was there for him and just the way that they were there for each other this entire book uh like even though there was mutual pining there was really no pushing each other away it was yeah. just kind of like moving closer and closer together it was it was really great how they like came together through struggle it was just so wonderful Mm-hmm. And I just, I loved Harry and Pansy in this, too. It's a couple that I didn't know that I needed so badly. I loved them in this. I really, those are my top two Harry pairings. Like, if Harry is with someone, I want him to be with either Ginny or with Pansy. Like, those are who I want to see him with. I have not really read one where he's been happy with Ginny yet. Um, I'm just here for Jermione right now. No, you read the right thing to do. They're happy in that one. That's true. It was just very forgettable. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was It was more so Ginny and Hermione's friendship that was, like, the forefront. Not necessarily, mm-hmm. like, Harry and Ginny. But I guess you're right. <laughs> All right. Our last and darkest fan fiction on the list is, of course, Manacled by Senlin Yu. Uh, trigger warnings for lots of violence. This is a very dark fan fiction. Uh, there is rape. There is mention of just countless terrible things, death everywhere. This is not a happy fan fiction. Suicide. Is- yes. This this is not something you want to read when you're not in a good place. Let's just say that. This is this is dark. So this is the longest fan fiction on this list at 370,000 words. Uh, it goes by pretty quickly because you just get caught up in the plot. This is an alternate universe uh, where Voldemort has won. Uh, everyone in the Order is dead. Hermione has been living in a cell, complete isolation and sensory deprivation for over a year which is just completely unheard of. Like, you go insane from sensory deprivation in, like, weeks normally. Like, the human brain cannot deal with that. So Hermione obviously dealt with this through uh, occluding. So what ends up happening is that she has these um, very important memories that she has occluded behind walls in her brain to the point where she can't remember them. And she's obviously doing this to protect something. But they can't access these memories in her brain without completely destroying her. So the plan that this terrible doctor comes up with is that she has to get pregnant. And then the baby will allow the memories in her brain to be less shielded. And she'll start to remember things. And it will allow for them to access these memories and see if there are any important order secrets that she's hiding from them. So Voldemort puts her into this breeding program that he has set up because all of the purebloods are so inbred, they can't really have children with each other. So he decides that the half-bloods and muggle-borns 
are basically gifted to purebred high-ranking wizards so that they can create heirs and really just treat them however they want to. And this is very much inspired by The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, Senlin Yu says that in like the introduction to the story. Um, so if you've seen The Handmaid's Tale, which I haven't, but Sarah has, you should be pretty prepared for like the tone that is taken throughout um, this fan fiction. Yeah, so the breeding program is a lot like The Handmaid's Tale. Um, and part of that is where we get our title from, which is manacled. Uh, they, they have manacles put on their wrists uh, that prevent them from doing magic. It also prevents them from picking up weapons and from hurting themselves. Uh, and Draco can hear her thoughts. Um, he can decide to do it or if her thoughts are extremely loud, they are just in the back of Draco's mind. Him being her, I guess, master. Um, his name is engraved in the manacles. Um, and just like in The Handmaid's Tale, they're there to just make babies and that is where the rape comes in and it's you know whatever she's ovulating it's expected that they are supposed to do that and I think that the author did it in a way that is not extremely graphic but makes you understand the horrible emotions and it it's you know, it's hard to read, but not as hard as other things that I have read. So Hermione does eventually get pregnant, although it's obvious that Draco is avoiding it for as long as possible. Um, and once she is pregnant, her memories come back and you find out that she knew Draco and Draco was Draco and all of her memories are of Draco or what she was protecting in her mind. And you come to find out that Draco was a double agent for the Order, that he was passing along information to the Order through Hermione. Uh, Hermione was his only point of contact. And throughout the war, they were the only support system that one another had. It started off with very contentious, where they did not get along. But slowly, very slowly over time, you start to see Draco start to care for her. And at first, it is something she's doing on purpose to really get him on their side. Um, she's trying to sway him because she's been told by Severus that Draco, like his father, uh, is very single-focused when it comes to his possessions, that he acts like a dragon, like his namesake. And so if she can get him to view her as his he will be more willing to help the order with whatever they need so that is the initial goal but then slowly over time Hermione is realizing that the order is losing and that they are not listening to any of her suggestions they don't take her seriously they aren't doing anything they need to in order to win instead they're still trying to hold the moral high ground which is just leading to them losing each battle. And Draco is really the only part that's allowing them to hold on to their standing. And Draco is starting to make it very clear to her that he cares about her and only her. He doesn't give a shit about the order. Mm -mm. <laughs> he doesn't care about anything in this war except for her. And there's a certain point 
where he's trying to make it very clear to her that if she allows herself to get killed in the line of battle, if she sacrifices herself, then he is going to kill every single person in the Order of the Phoenix. And he is trying to make it as clear to her as possible that he doesn't give a shit about anyone else. That he doesn't give a shit about her self-sacrificing nature and the fact that she wants to help as many people as possible. He is only motivated by the fact that she has to stay alive. And if she allows herself to get killed, he, just to spite her, is going to go and murder everyone that she has ever loved and cared about. Which is a very interesting way of telling someone that you love them. Yeah, and I mean, the Order absolutely treats Hermione like shit. Harry and Ron treat Hermione like shit. And Mm -hmm. it's just like... No wonder why the order won, uh, the order lost, because they're just stunning Death Eaters. And meanwhile, the Death Eaters are killing the order left and right. Like, how the hell are you going to win a war when you're not willing to take the enemy out? And, like, no one would listen to Hermione. No one. And no one cared about Hermione in in depth. And she's also wrapping her mind around the fact that she's never going to get her parents back. The war has gone on too long. Uh, there's no way to reverse their memories. And she has no one. Uh, and Draco has no one either. With his mom being the only person he's cared about. Uh, she's gone. And they really just only have each other. Uh, and that's really when they start to truly, truly fall in love. Like, the first time they have sex is rough because he had no idea she was a virgin. Mm-hmm. And they kind of just leave and then they don't talk. And then it just kind of spirals from there where she's like, I'm not using you and I'm sorry I put you in this position. Uh, But I kind of do like this like idea that the Malfoys are almost like cursed in a way because you do see how much like Lucius uh, loved Narcissa too. Like uh, and now Draco is that way about Hermione. Lucius in this fan fiction is a completely broken man after narcissa died he just completely lost his mind and it kind of gives you like some insight into how draco would be if hermione died and he is just on a rampage and like the peaks you get into him as a person when he visits the manor are just terrifying and he's just a broken person so you start to see like oh, if Hermione dies, Draco will absolutely follow through with this threat of killing everyone. So it comes to a breaking point where they are about to basically be taken over. All of the Order safe houses are being attacked. And Hermione sends Draco away to go and rescue Ginny. And then she basically sacrifices herself to take out this one lab that the Death Eaters have where they're concocting all of these terrible curses and potions and things that are, like, absolutely tearing through the order. And as she is trying to take out this lab, she ends up getting herself captured. And... that's when she's thrown into the cell and Draco has no idea where she is. He can't locate her. No one in the Death Eater ranks knows where she is. The only person who knew where she was located was Umbridge, who's the person who threw her in there in the first place. And Draco follows through 
it's not necessarily him murdering everyone, but he certainly wasn't going to stop anyone from murdering every single member of the order. The only person who he saved was Ginny. And you really get to see, like, he was 100% serious. She wasn't there. She was self-sacrificing, like he told her not to be. And he killed a whole lot of people. He did, with absolutely no remorse whatsoever. And this was brought to my attention, so I need to put it on here. So when they first started meeting and training, uh, he gave her a ring, uh, and they could use this to let each other know that they needed each other or they needed to meet Mm -hmm. up by tapping it. And that is how he knows that she's still alive during this whole time. Mm -hmm. It's because she still has the ring and he never takes that ring off. And even when he had a wife, he never wore a ring with his wife, but all throughout this entire time, he never took off his ring uh, that he shared with Hermione. God, I love this Draco. Oh, and uh, Lucius like gets annoyed with his wife and just cuts off her head. (laughs) (laughs) Is a story of his wife in this one? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, he Draco's forced to marry Astoria by Voldemort, and it's just like a marriage in name only. Like Draco won't touch her. The only person that he's ever interested in being with is Hermione. So she's just like bitter and angry and resentful, and she like attacks Hermione at one point. And Draco's just walking this fine line of like trying not to get caught out as a spy while also trying to protect Hermione in any way that he possibly can, and. There comes a time in which Astoria just annoys Lucius enough and he's crazy enough that he doesn't give a fuck about the fact that Voldemort's going to torture him for killing someone without his permission. So he just fucking cuts her head off. And there are not like any moments in this fan fiction where you're like laughing at anything. This is not there's no like comedic relief at any point. It's just very dark. But like when Lucius killed her, I was like, you know what? That's kind of funny. I thought it was kind of funny, too. Like, he was just like, she said something about being the lady of the house, and that's really what set him over. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, my wife was the last lady of the house. And then she was being real shitty again and, boop, did the little curse and cut her little head off. And boop. Draco and Hermione were right there. And Hermione was like, you kind of instigated that, didn't you? And Draco was like, yeah, it had to be done. <laughs> Draco Draco is so unapologetic for anybody who dies that's not Hermione. Like, there is no pretense of the fact... Draco never pretends to be a good person. No. Like, there is, there is never any, like, oh, you're too good for me. I don't deserve you. Like, no. He's like, I want you. You're mine. You belong to me. I'm going to protect you any way that I possibly need to, and I'll kill anyone who disagrees with me. I think the only part-time when he was actually like going through it is when she got her memories back because he's like how is she supposed to separate that I love her but I had to do these horrible things to her Mm -hmm. but I had to do them to her for a reason like Voldemort was up in her head constantly Voldemort was up in Draco's head constantly like he was getting cursed left and right like these two are so damaged mentally and physically by the end of this from everything that they had to go through. Like, Hermione is just, like, one seizure away from losing her mind, and Draco's just a a mess. (laughs) This fic broke me. 
when I read it the first time, I was just like laying there sobbing by the end. This was, oh, it just broke my brain. I cannot even explain to you what a masterpiece this fan fiction is. Like, is it happy, feel good? Absolutely not. Is it beautifully written and will make you feel every emotion? Yes. Like, God damn, it is just so beautiful. And you just kind of have to expect the fact that really there's not a whole lot of sweet and tender moments in this. Like their love is obsessive and it is hard and it is dark and there is a happy ending, but it's like happy ending. Eh? Yeah. We will say this. Draco and Hermione are happy together, but I don't know that you can necessarily say that it is completely happy. Um, but I think that's realistic. Honestly, like these two have been through years of war and like through some of the most horrible things you can imagine. Uh, but whew, it is a roller coaster of emotion. Um, and I just love how fucking evil Draco is in this. And he doesn't <laughs> care. He does not care. He's like, I will kill who he and and his power in this too like how powerful of a wizard he is is just insane um and i really enjoyed that aspect of it like of how immensely powerful he is yes oh it's so good it uh, is so I did good wanna, i did want to throw in uh other germany fanfics that i love that we didn't mention so other germany fanfics that are some of my absolute favorites remain nameless by hey jude 19 Oh, just so fluffy and sweet and wonderful. Uh, like we mentioned previously, The Auction and All the Wrong Things by Love's Bitka 8. Don't Look Back by Onyx and Elm. That is an unfinished fan fiction that is on indefinite hiatus. So don't start that if you're looking for an ending because it's not there yet. But I'm hoping that she'll come back and finish it. Also, Breathments and Battle Scars by Onyx and Elm. Uh, Wait and Hope by Might Be Writing. The Eagle's Nest by Heart of Aspen. Love and Other Misfortunes by Senlin Yu. Sugar and Spice by In Love with Forever, The Gloriana Set by Phoebe Moon, This Too is Sacred by Heart of Aspen, The Green Girl by Calabrina, Prescott Tajur's Pure by Shailani, and The Wrong Strain by Calabrina. Uh, something to note about the Calabrina fanfics, as I was looking for them to put them on my list, I realized that she pulled all of her work off of AO3. So as of right now, I believe Calabrina's works are only available on fanfiction.net, but they are amazing enough to venture over to fanfic.net so go ahead and give those a read if you're interested all right sarah overall thoughts on Dramini and this roller coaster that i've put you through yeah i think my overall favorite is manacled just because of that emotional roller coaster um and it was just like it made me feel and for it to be that long for me someone who sam has diagnosed with add uh <laughs> It, it, I just, like, I, I can't even still wrap my mind around everything that happened. Um, and All You Want is also a huge favorite of mine because I am just, like, a simp for Alpha Draco and it just lives rent-free in my mind. And to me, Hermione and Draco are together. There is no other ending. There is no Ron Weasley. There is no Astoria. No. It is Hermione, and it is Draco, and they are together, and 
That's all I can believe at this point. We don't believe in the epilogue here. It's not real. Uh, I am a firm believer that Draco should have gotten the redemption arc instead of Severus Snape. Uh, I will fight anyone who disagrees with me. Come fight me. Uh, Dramini is a top tier ship. I don't care if you think it's problematic. I like. I think there are arguments to be had that it can be problematic, but when it's done in the right way, I think it can really provide for mutual healing and growth uh, for the Harry Potter community to do what J.K. Rowling never could do with these characters. Like, I believe in fan fiction authors enough that I know that they can turn these characters in a way that they have both mutual healing and growth. In general, I have a lot of Harry Potter thoughts. So, I mean, if you want to get into those discussions with me, you can always DM me on Instagram, Smut and Spice Pod, or on TikTok, just know that I have a lot of thoughts, feelings, and opinions on the topic in general. Um, all right, let's get into what we are reading this week. I have been on a huge contemporary romance kick recently. I finished Hook, Line, and Sinker by Tessa Bailey, which I absolutely loved. Fox was so cute. Um, I also finished Things We Never Got Over by Lucy Score, which made me cry. I also finished By a Thread, also by Lucy Score, which also made me cry. Uh, I think I'm going to read more of Lucy Score's books. I really like the way she writes. Um, I also read The Unwanted Wife by Natasha Anders, uh, which has the weirdest cover I've ever seen on a romance novel. I've seen it, too, and I was like, what is this? (laughs) It literally looks like a self-help book. It's so strange. Uh, I read a book you may have heard of, Sarah, called Vera and the Vegas Five, part two. Have you heard of that one before? I have heard of it. You know, I I spent a lot of time... (laughs) with that book (laughs) uh i also read terms and conditions by lauren asher and three swedish mountain men by lily gold which was surprisingly very cute considering the cover and title uh this week i'm planning on reading hunted by erica woods and maybe also i'll do wait for it by mariana zapata because i think that's going to be my next mz book Sarah, what were you reading this week? <sighs> to be honest, all I've been doing is reading Germione fan fiction for this podcast. And I cannot seem to get myself out of this hole. So even if I tell you I'm going to read these books, I might not. So we'll see. <laughs> I really want to read Hook, Line, and Sinker by Tessa Bailey. I tried to pick it up. And then I was like, this isn't Draco. And I put it down. But I definitely want to read it. I love <laughs> Tessa Bailey. I love everything she writes. I want to read uh, Praise by Sarah Kate. Um, That comes out this week. That is uh, ex-boyfriend's dad. um, And he thinks that she is uh, the sex worker that he hired for the night when she's not. uh, And that's their first encounter. Um, And then I want to read Zenny by Rebecca Weatherspoon. Uh, She pegs him on an airplane, and I'm very intrigued. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) I am finishing up editing for Omega's Obsession, and that's keeping me busy. And if you'd like to keep up to date on that project, you can follow me on socials. Uh, Everything is pretty much Sarah Blue Author on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And then I have Sarah Blue's Reader Group on Facebook. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Smut and Spice. I know it was on the long side. We just had so many fan fictions we wanted to talk about. Uh, Please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. They do have reviews now. 
We would love you forever if you did. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Smut and Spice Pod. We also now have a Facebook page for the Smut and Spice Podcast. So if you're on Facebook, we would love it if you could give us a like there as well. The intro and outro music featured on Smut and Spice is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.